U.S. cities are filled with protesters. U.S. hospitals are still dealing with COVID-19 cases, and no one knows what tomorrow will bring. It's a recipe for fear and anxiety. Except on Wall Street, which has already turned the page on our terrible year, sending stocks soaring in the last two months. What's driving investors' optimism? I'm Alex Ewell, and welcome to The Readback. This week, I'm joined by longtime Barron's columnist, Randall Forsyth, to talk about the strange dynamic gripping markets. Hey, Randy. Good morning. So I keep getting asked the same question from people, and I think this is probably common for financial journalists these days, which is, why in the world are stocks still rising when the world and the country is doing so poorly? For the last two months now, we've obviously had a public health crisis, followed by a jobless crisis. And now in the last week, things have gotten even darker because we've had protests and we're coming off perhaps the scariest weekend sort of culturally in decades. And yet Monday, stocks continue to rise. So it just kind of makes that question even that much stronger. Why are stocks going up right now? Randy, can you provide some context? I can give you the context and I can give you the explanation and I don't know whether it's entirely satisfactory. But for number one, the trillions of dollars that the Federal Reserve has poured into the financial system has definitely lifted all asset prices, stocks, uh, junk bonds, everything across the board. And there's also the expectation that once state economies start reopening, as they they all have now to a various extent, that the economy would recover and react positively to all this monetary and fiscal stimulus. And that this would all happen very quickly. And it would happen quickly and smoothly. And so far, these are just expectations. They're just a few nascent signs that we're getting out of our houses. But with the protests that tragically happened over the weekend, staying away from the causes of it, but just the, the effects of it, have been to possibly derail this bullish narrative. First of all, we could see a spike in new cases as a result of the lack of social distancing, obviously, during the protests. And second of all, the destruction of stores and restaurants that were just beginning to reopen or haven't yet reopened, but we're planning to be thwarted. So this is very superficial, obviously. And, and these protests, you know, it's it's tragic. And, and there a whole other podcast could get into the issues there. But like you said, if stores simply can't reopen and cities can't reopen, that puts a damper on what's been keeping Wall Street optimistic. So investors are smart. Why do you think it is that after this weekend and after these issues, stocks didn't really, I mean, they, they didn't start to fall. I think the expectation is that the economic effects of these protests have not been sufficient to change the narrative and the expectations. They have to be proven that there might be a new rise in cases. The, the market has been following the number of cases very closely. In fact, I've even seen a chart of the stock fear gauge, the VIX, Uh, rising and falling in tandem with the number of coronavirus cases. If new cases start to rise, perhaps they'll be convinced that their rather optimistic expectations might uh, have to be tempered a bit. 
Yeah, I wanted to talk so a little bit more about the Federal Reserve here. And you mentioned the trillions of dollars that are being kind of injected into the economy. That seems to me to just m- make it so that what, stocks want to go up, right? That They've kind of set that baseline. And so the more money you pour in, investors want to push stocks up. W- what could kind of turn that around? You, you think it's the, c- the case numbers. And if and if the COVID cases get, get worse again, that even the liquidity won't be enough to, to prop up stocks? The expectation is now... In very round numbers, and I really hate using the the annualized numbers, is that in the current quarter, in the second quarter, the U.S. economy could contract at a 40% annual rate, which means it's actually down 10% in those three months. But the expectation is after that, it will rise 20% in the third and fourth quarters both. In other words, that things will come roaring back. Even though we're in such a deep hole, we won't get back to where we were until 2022. But as bad as things are now, that things will definitely get better in the second half. Another thing that I think people are really confused about is it's very hard to sort of, if you're an investor, keep score right now. I mean, we have these terrible numbers. We have stocks going up. What numbers are you looking at? I mean, how are you trying to keep score around our progress, our economic progress right now? Well, everybody has been looking at the weekly unemployment claims numbers, which have been horrendous. They used to be in the hundreds of thousands. Over the last two months, a total of 40 million people have filed. Well, there, there's one other number, the number of people who are not making new applications for unemployment insurance, but who are actually receiving it. In the latest week, which is two weeks old already, there was a big drop in people actually receiving unemployment insurance. All right. So just to summarize that, the number of new jobless claims have sort of stayed in the millions. They're falling. But the really kind of good sign is this idea that the continuing claims have started to drop, suggesting that people aren't staying on unemployment insurance as long. And presumably they're, they're getting jobs, which is a good sign. But it could be a one-week blip. Uh, the, there could be a glitch in the numbers. But so far, that is a good sign. And we're looking for any glimmer of hope. The rest of it is looking at very anecdotal things. Actually, a very interesting thing is that the Dallas Fed has instituted something called a social distancing index based on mobile data. Wow. And that will tell you as people are becoming less socially distant, that means they're they're going out and buying stuff or maybe actually beginning to go to restaurants where, where they're allowed or at least pick up takeout. But the, the, the Dallas Fed, to try to get something more contemporaneous than a month-old employment report is doing this. That's fascinating. So how are those Dallas Fed numbers then looking right now? What are they telling us? They're beginning to show a little bit of, of an improvement and that that's a very hopeful sign. That was as of last week before the, these tragic protests. This is something to keep an eye on, whether the protests affect our social distancing or lack thereof and uh, getting out to start to maybe spend a little bit more. One way, obviously, that we all keep score is looking at the stock market. And just from a very simple standpoint, if we look at the S&P 500, we're up about 35% from our March lows. We're only now 10% off of all-time highs. Given everything that's happened, it's just remarkable. What do you make of the market? Where do you think we are right now? Can stocks keep rising at this point? Or are you getting a little bit nervous? Oh, I'm I'm always nervous, but that's just me. But the, <laughs> the point is that 
Uh, there's been a lot of money that's gone into the stock market. There's one basic reason. Uh, interest rates are so low, there is no alternative. In other words, Tina. No alternative to stocks. And that's because you can't just put your money in a bank anymore if you're getting 0% interest. Exactly. Or uh, you lend the money to the U.S. Treasury for two years, you get 0.16%. Then there's also that the market has been rallying, which also attracts a lot of people who don't want to miss out. Fear of missing out, which is the, the other acronym, FOMO. So we have TINA and FOMO. I just want to uh, make sure. Exactly. Right. Plus, there's some anecdotal evidence, and I wrote about it a couple of weeks ago, about the lack of sports and the lack of sports betting. And the opening up of uh, free online trading everywhere has apparently attracted a lot of people to open up brokerage accounts to try to get in on this 35% rally. Wow. If ever we needed a reason to be nervous, it's people going from sports gambling to betting on stocks. And you're worried about something in particular in terms of the next issue that could really create new risk again. Well, yeah. I mean, the bullish narrative is built on that we're going to reopen and recover in the second half. But there is uh, one part that uh, of the economy, the state and local governments are under the worst, most extreme budgetary pressure ever. Tax uh, receipts have uh, fallen off a cliff, uh, largely because we're not outspending. And that's things like sales tax, right? So if there's no sales tax, the states aren't bringing in the same kind of money. Plus, they're having to spend a lot more on all the different uh, coronavirus mitigation activities, whether it's the public hospital systems or just spending for a lot more for cops overtime, etc. And all the frontline heroes that we applaud are still getting paid, but governments are not getting uh, their usual revenues. And also, I remember April 15th, we were supposed to file our income taxes. Well, that hasn't happened on the the state level either. For the federal government, that's not a problem. They can borrow as much as they want. State and local governments are not allowed to do that, or in most cases. So they are facing multi-billion dollar budget deficits. And it's not just state and local governments per se in New York City, the MTA. Subway ridership is down, uh, I don't know, 90-something percent. So the MTA is in a budgetary squeeze. What Congress could do is give uh, state and local governments the kind of help they've given to industries like airlines. But at some point, state and local governments will be facing a huge fiscal crisis, which could necessitate layoffs for public employees that uh, I think would be politically unpalatable. Let's put it this way. So you're talking about police officers, firemen, even teachers. Yes. So far, there hasn't been these kinds of uh, draconian layoffs. But July 1st is the beginning of a fiscal year for many states and counties. This could be a huge hit if not addressed by the federal government, because there is no other way for states and localities to get the money. A lot of them did put away rainy day funds, but those rainy day funds have been depleted. We've had We've had uh, the Noah's Ark of rainy days. It feels to me like we've never really, at least in recent decades, lived through this kind of uncertainty. So we have the coronavirus, we have the economy, we have this sort of civil unrest, we have an election. Investors don't like uncertainty. How do we handle all this uncertainty? One certainty they have is that the Federal Reserve has their back. 
that is the one thing that they've been able to count on throughout all of this. If the stock market starts to unravel, that the Fed will do uh, whatever it takes to rescue it, to pump in more money. They have bought corporate bonds so far. They have bought exchange-traded funds that own junk bonds. The only thing they haven't done is bought stocks outright. And they sound like they, they don't want to do that. They also don't want to go and lower interest rates below zero. All I would say is never say never. It's this year, if anything, that should be your mantra. Never say never about anything, but the, except for the Fed coming to try to hold together the financial system. The rest of the economy, the uh, body politic, they can't do anything about. But to maintain a stable financial system, that is one thing I think you can count on. And what's so interesting about the Fed is, you know, they're kind of this ultimate safety net. But it feels like that safety net has actually been more of a trampoline, at least in the last few weeks. Indeed. At some point, I don't know whether that will become... Uh, politically untenable if a, a lot more people make the criticism that unemployment is over 20%, that there is a social unrest while the stock market is near record highs, that might become a problematic for the Fed. Now, in a, in a webcast last week, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell adamantly said that the Fed is not a driver of inequality. I don't know whether they will face that criticism more harshly in the months ahead, but I don't think that is a risk that will cause the Fed to do less. I think it might be a pressure on politicians in, in uh, D.C. and in uh, states and counties to do more. So the Fed may be able to save the stock market, or it has been saving the stock market. It really can't do much to save the economy. It can underpin the economy, it can provide a, a lot of liquidity to make sure that the financial system is functioning. And it, for a while, it seemed very dysfunctional back in March. They cannot cause jobs to be created directly. They cannot help stores and restaurants to reopen. They cannot prevent a new round of coronavirus. They can't prevent social unrest. Right. And so now it's just a matter of when and if investors ever start to realize that or, or take note. And so that's, I guess, what we'll be watching for. Randy, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. To read Randy's columns and all of Barron's coverage on the protests, COVID-19, and much more, check out barrons.com. I'm Alex Ewell. The Read Back is produced by Meta Lutzoff and Katie Ferguson. We'll be back next week.